Welcome to the Hereby Call podcast, where we talk about the ins and outs of being a missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, from opening the mission call to coming home and all the blessings in between. So sit back and enjoy the show. Anyways, this missionary like opens his eyes. He's kind of like sitting there staring at the missionary for a second. He's like, you awake? Are you ready to go? And the missionary just full on slaps the dude. <laughs> And then like goes back to sleep <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> this is your companion. <laughs> this is my new companion. Hey man. Hello and welcome back to the Hereby Called podcast. I'm your host, Jordan. And alongside me is my co-host and brother-in-law, Zach. How's it going? Good. We are pleased to be joined by our friend Scott and his wife, Summer. Scott is a giant. <laughs> how, how tall are you? Like legit? I'm seven foot. Oh geez, yeah, you're like in the even. in the top like two percent. I don't know how t- how many seven footers. Probably are less world, than that. Like really? I'd, I'd probably be the tallest guy on like half the NBA teams. I imagine you're you're the tallest guy I know. Yeah, seven yeah. feet. That's can, can you touch the rim just standing? Uh, no, but it's just it's, it's just, just a bunny little. Hop. No, no, little no. Bunny I, hop. I've played ball with Scott and he yeah. dunks easily. Like it's not even. <laughs> it's effortless. It's like so. me playing on like a seven and a half foot hoop. Yeah, not, not effortless <laughs> anymore. I'm way out of shape. I'm washed up. Uh, even a month ago, you still were throwing it down. Anyways, I always like to introduce my guests, the ones I know personally with some type of story. And I guess there's two, Scott and I, and I don't know if you remember this, in high school, our senior year, I think we had like three or four classes in a row together. Yeah. And it was like bizarre because me and Scott didn't really hang out with the same crowd or anything. Yeah, not really. Like we were pretty familiar, but not, we didn't really hang out every weekend or anything like that. Yeah. So that was before high school. And then after high school, I feel like we really hit it off and we're hanging out just about every weekend. Mm-hmm. And, um, something about Scott that I love and something that I try to do is find people that eat a lot or want <laughs> to eat a lot. Cause that's something I'm passionate about. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, Hey, how much do you eat? <laughs> yeah, you could be my friend. Like, how do you find that out? Uh, he's seven foot and he, oh. Scott played uh, some uh, basketball. You played for Slick, right? Yeah, I played for Slick. I'm What's sure we'll that? talk about that later. It's a uh, Salt Lake City Community College. And oh, cool. where else did you play? I played at Westminster College. Westminster. And wait, was, was it with Slick or Westminster that you guys won? Uh, we won the national championship with Slick. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So Scott was, he came up from, from his mission. He's like, hey man, like I want to put on weight and like, I'm like, dude, I'm your, I'm guy. your guy. So we would, I, <laughs> I love eating. I remember going through Filiberto's drive through together and we would just order the like yes. double carne asada you, burrito. Dude, combo. It's, it's the number 14 and that is engraved yeah. on my heart and probably my arteries to this day, <laughs> but uh, good, good times. Yeah. Anyways, back to Scott. <laughs> Let's get to your mission. So Scott served in, and I always butcher it, but I'm, I'm getting better because you say the country or the state first. And your mission split, but when you got called, it was the Idaho Boise Boise mission. mission. Yeah. So I got called to the Idaho Boise mission. And when I was out for a little over a year, and this was like around the the age change era. Mm -hmm. So we had the huge influx of missionaries and our mission was split into three. Oh, wow. And it was at the same time that my mission president was going home. So the mission was going to be split into three. We're getting three new mission presidents, <laughs> which means they also called like, you know, six new APs or whatever. Yeah. And so uh, it became the Nampa mission, the Boise mission, and the Twin Falls mission. And I ended up going to the Twin Falls mission. I was transferred there right before the split. So that's where I stayed. So did they, they just divided your mission into three. So how many missionaries did you have in your mission oh, before it divided. Before the split. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I knew all these numbers really well at one point. I want to say like little over a hundred or something. And so when it divided, it was like slim pickings. Like they, they boosted the numbers a little bit right oh, before gotcha, the split. Gotcha. And then even though like they didn't triple them. Right. And so mm-hmm. even though it was, it felt small after the split, but every transfer, they were like sending home three or four missionaries. Mm-hmm. And then we were getting 20 Oh, right. Wow. So it was just constantly like splitting areas, trying to find room. Yeah. So, so Scott had a, a unique mission in that sense, but mm-hmm. backing up, who was Scott before you got your mission call? Scott in high school, the one I knew. 
I know I know who you are and who you were, <laughs> but I, I want to hear from you. <laughs> we're getting we're getting older all the time. Yeah. I don't know who I was back then. Uh, I don't know. I was always just described as like a laid back dude. Um, I got along with everyone really well. Uh, like you said, I'm a giant, but I'm I'm like very much like a gentle giant, right? Like <laughs> kind of like calm calm hearted. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, always active in the church, always knew I wanted to serve a mission, right? So like my parents, they raised me up in the church. They've always been members of the church. So it wasn't ever anything that I like second guess doing. It's just like, that's what I want to do. Even before I knew I wanted to go to college or do anything else, it's just like, oh, I'm going to graduate high school and then I'm going to go on a mission and then I'll figure it out. That's awesome. So, um, yeah, that was, that was me. And what were your thoughts when you opened up your mission call that you'd been waiting for and expecting for, for all these years? Uh, disappointment. (laughs) Oh, for real? (laughs) Yeah, for real. So a little background. So when I graduated, um, I really had like no plans after high school, just like, Oh, well my birthday. So I'm a February birthday kid. So graduated high school in May. I had like, I don't know. What is that? Like nine months or something. Mm -hmm. And so, I was like, I don't know. I guess I'll just like hang out. I had like a fun post-graduation summer plan. So I went through that. But luckily fell in my lap, this like scholarship to go to Slick. So Salt Lake Community College coaches reached out to me. They're like, hey, we just lost a player. (laughs) We've been watching you. Uh, We want to offer you like a scholarship to come play for us. And this was like two weeks before school starts. Just like, oh, okay. I guess this is what I'm doing now. So (laughs) totally just going with the flow. And, uh, so I, you know, I play there for a little bit, but I was, I was red shirt, right. And, you know, I wasn't like super good or anything at the time. Um, and it came to a certain point where I thought, you know what, I'd, I'd really like to go on my mission, like as soon as I can. So by the end of the first semester, I was talking to my coaches like, Hey, I don't think I'm going to come back next semester. Is that okay? I said, yeah, it's fine. You're red shirting anyway. So it's not a big deal. And, um, my, so I had four roommates, three of them were returned missionaries. Uh, one served in Malaysia, one served in Brazil and the other served in the South somewhere. I want to say like Alabama or something like that. And, Blessed. um, the other was just a, a dude that was hanging out and smoking pot. So <laughs> <laughs> we didn't see him much. Uh, anyways, I had these returned missionaries that were like a strong influence on me. And like getting me excited to, you know, go serve a mission. And like I, I'd walk out in the living room to like make a PB&J without my shirt on or something. And they'd be like, oh, elders, you remember those days without garments, you know, just, <laughs> just walk out, you know, without your shirt on. So it was kind of like they would tease me and they would talk about their missions and get me really excited. And it was it was a ton of fun. Um, oh, and I don't know if any BYU basketball fans are going to be hearing this, but Skylar Halford, he played on the BYU basketball team. and. He was my roommate. He's one of those so, guys. I don't know. If you're a big BYU basketball fan, you might recognize the name. But um, anyway, so. So they're pumping you up. So they're pumping me up. For months. And I uh, get the mission call. Really excited, which actually took five weeks to get to me, by the way. Oh, wow. Just kind of annoying. Because usually it only takes and like a few weeks. It yeah. went to you in Salt Lake or did yeah, you come home? Yeah, I was home? in Salt okay, Lake. Okay. I'm like, they just need to send this down the street. <laughs> yeah. And like, I'll so, go pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess they had sent it to the wrong address. And so, you know. It, Somebody it got else got a call. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're like, oh, it looks like this? I'm going on a mission. <laughs> <laughs> Through that, I was doing missionary work even before I started. Right? There you, you know? go. Oh, shoot. Looks like it's meant to be. <laughs> this isn't my name, but... <laughs> Uh, and you know, I'm sitting there with all my roommates, like my basketball team is there, like other athletes that were living in our apartment complex came. I've got people up on different laptops, Skyping in like friends and family. And so I'm sitting there, like I open it up, my hands are shaking and I read it. You've been called to the Idaho Boise mission. I was like, Oh, that's not what I had in mind. (laughs) And I pause and I look up, you know, you expect the like, yeah, you know, the cheers. It was just like oh, dead silent. Cause I think everyone thought I was playing a joke on them. Oh, you know, like the yeah. whole, like what's, Ooh. what's the movie called? This is a single ward. It's or a single ward. And the guy gets called, is it to the yeah. Idaho Boise mission? Idaho Boise mission. Yeah. And that's, and, uh, one of my coaches had been teasing me for weeks and weeks and weeks. That you're going to go to Idaho. Oh, you're going to go to Idaho. <laughs> oh, you're going to go to like Provo or something. 
And uh, so I'm just, you know, no one's reacting. And I said, oh, okay. And so I go back into it <laughs> and I finish reading like the first paragraph or whatever. English speaking. And uh, Spanish speaking, actually. Oh, so that's that. that's where people cheered. There we go. They're yeah. like, oh, he must not be joking because he's like, still reading. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, Spanish speaking. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so everyone got excited after that. But um, to be honest, yeah, like I said, I was kind of disappointed at first. Because like, you know, our good friend, Matt Pace, he was like in Argentina and I was riding with him. I had friends that were in Malaysia, like these, like these roommates who had gone to exotic places. So in my mind, I'm like, dude, I could be going to Asia or South America, but like I had family in Boise. (laughs) I have an aunt and uncle there, right? My mom (laughs) grew up there. Like I had visited Idaho like every year of my life. So I was not super stoked, but after like all the hubbub went down and like people left I got to like sit and kneel and pray and just like a really like a calming, peaceful feeling came over me. And it was just an assurance like, okay, this is not an exotic place, but this is where you're meant to go. And so right there, I was like, Hey, this is it. I'm all in, you know, this is my place. I'm going to own it. And it's going to be fantastic. And my dad, my dad called me a little bit later. He's like, so, uh, how you feeling? <laughs> I think he could pick up on that. Yeah. I wasn't very excited when That's I read it. That's a good dad right there. And I said, no, 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 no. I've like, I'm, I'm feeling great about it now. I'm, I'm excited now. Yeah. It's awesome. You're our second stateside guest, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And it's so awesome because our last guest, Jason, who served in California, did the exact same thing. After he, it, you can go back and listen to it. He said after, you know, the party had moved from the living room to the kitchen that he, he went and prayed and was like, you know, he got called to California and he's like, mm-hmm. Hey, look, you know, is this what I need to do? And said the exact same thing. I didn't hear or see angels. I just felt peaceful yeah. and felt this was right. This is what I need to do. So that's so awesome that you had a very similar experience. Yeah. Oh, awesome. And I hadn't, I hadn't heard that one yet. I've listened to the first two podcasts, um, Mason and my good friend, Michael Rush yeah. from Jamaica. That's awesome. From uh, Jamaica. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's he is, Jamaican now. He is now. So you go to the MTC and any, anything special stick out to you about your experience? Yeah. I mean, the MTC can be a very special time. Um, I had very, like very growing experiences there. One that stands in particular to me, I think, was my very first companion. Um, What's his name? And so during my mission, well, I'll, I'll get to that later. His name is uh, Elder Sirdar. I don't even remember his first name. Um, and for a lot of these stories, I might like keep the names anonymous, just use sure. fake names, just because I I haven't asked permission from anyone to share any stories. So you're good. Don't worry. I think he'd be fine with it. It's Elder Sirdar. Uh, Elder Sirdar, and we were in the MTC together for like a week or two, but you know how the MTC life is like, it feels like you're there forever. Oh yeah. And so even in a week or two, me and Elder Sardar, we grew close. We became very fond of each other. And, uh, after, you know, whenever it was, he comes up to me and he says, so I talked with the branch president today. I said, yeah. He says, I, uh, I'm going to go home. I said, no way. Wow. I said, do you, you know, want to talk about it? He's just, ah, oh, you know, there's stuff that I, like, I need to take care of back home. So, um, you know, pull from that way you will, but he ended up going home early. And then I went into a tripanionship for like the rest of my MTC time. Um, but we stayed in contact for a really like good long while. We kind of like fell out of it after a little bit, just cause you know, he's like just living his life and he doesn't have much more to talk about. And so, but for the first little while there, we were in contact for, for a good time. And it was approximately a year after that, he writes me a letter out of nowhere. He says, Hey man, I just want to let you know, I uh, got another mission call going back on a mission and uh, I'm making it work. Awesome. And so that was really awesome to like one of the first experiences, my mission, just see someone like apply what I assume is the principle of repentance and to care enough about serving a mission to like want to do it right, you know? And so a little message for anyone out there listening to this, you know, you can, you can do it right. You know, you don't have to feel bad about, you know, maybe having to go home early or, you know, having to stay home for or like have to leave a little late. It all works out. Right. And if you're going to do it, do it right. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Repentance is, it's part of the process and we have this negative culture with it and it's, it's a positive thing. It's, yeah. It's part of the plan of salvation. Yeah. I think a lot of 
people who might, it, that takes a lot of courage, you know, to, to be yeah. like, Hey, I got to go home because like Jordan said, there is a, a culture around that, you know, some people will come home, Oh, what did he do or whatever? But it's when you strap on your boots, apply the atonement, and then you get right back on the horse and get out there. There was an elder like that on my mission too. He went home in the MTC and came out six months later. He went to the same mission, but he was so much better for doing it the right way. Like you said. Cool. So you get, you're in the MTC, you have this experience, you're growing, you're changing. You're right. It, those two weeks or whatever, or you, you were speaking Spanish. So it was longer than two weeks. I was there for nine at the time. It was still, I Before think it was nine weeks. Change, yeah. And then they like bumped it down to like six weeks now yeah. for Spanish or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was there for nine. Man. So you were for anyone, when you, when you go into the MTC, <laughs> even though it's your first day and everyone's only been on their mission for two months maximum, they look so old to you. Like they look like seasoned vets and you, you were one of those. It would be interesting. Like I, it would be fun to get some sociologists into the MTC <laughs> and just see like, it is just a strange microcosm oh, of yeah. just whatever goes on there. You know, like let, it is, it is interesting. Let me ask you this real quick. Cause I just found, I, did, I served my mission in Brazil. I went to the Brazilian MTC, but I found out last episode that there's candy hidden in the walls. Did you know about that? Uh, you're like sparking something in my memory. <laughs> I don't think it was candy, but I do feel like I remember going on some sort of scavenger hunt or something. Like we found like a note and it led yes. to like a different place or something. Like this Hidden is, in the wall. I kind of forgot about that. We, but. we called them Narnia holes. Narnia holes. Is that, was yes. that common? Yes. I knew that was a thing because I was talking to Jason, our, my older brother, in the, but he was 10 years ago, so they didn't have the same terminology, but. That's hilarious. Narnia holes. Yeah, I didn't have any of that down in Brazil, but I, I just, everybody who serves or goes to the Provo, I'm going to have to ask him about it. Yeah. yeah. It's a magical place. I wonder if it's still alive. It's, it's like Disneyland. Like there's like <laughs> hidden things that you got to discover while you're there. Yeah. Uh, anyways, let's get out of the MTC. You're in the mission field. What was new to you? Was there anything new to you about the culture of Idaho? Uh, new, not like real new. Like I mentioned earlier, like I'd been to Idaho. I was familiar with it. That's where my mom grew up. Um, I think there were some things like there are, you know, their own lingo sometimes with like real old Idahoans, like real country people that have been there for a long time. Mm. You know, like they call the, uh, there, they don't call it the glove box. They call it the jockey box. And there's just like little weird terminology, things like that. that they say a little different. Is, um, is adding the R like wash your hands? Is that an Idaho? Wash your thing? hands. Yeah. Some people do that. Um, sometimes they say like a couple few. So instead of just like, oh, <laughs> yeah. like, let me grab like a couple sodas or whatever. They'll say like, oh, hey, grab me a couple few of this, a couple few of that. I'm like, what's like, do you want a couple? Do you want a few? Is there a difference? Why are you, why are you combining them? I yeah. don't know. Uh, that's kind of a thing. And uh, Idaho. I looked up some, I always like to look up stats because I don't, I've never been to Idaho. And 40% um, of it is like covered by the National Forest Service. Oh, I believe that. Did yeah. you know that? Yeah. I know like there's tons of, it's gorgeous out there. I've never been. Yeah. But. Beautiful. Very outdoorsy. Like most people are, you know, outdoors people, farm people, like tons and tons of farmland. When um, I, when I think of Idaho, I think, and this is probably totally wrong. So like help me with the stereotype, but I think like Utah junior, and that's probably what people think of Arizona, but that's more like just Mesa is Idaho. Yeah. Or, yeah. Arizona's as a whole is very much not Utah junior in right. my experience. Mesa. Yes. Because it's, you know, like lots, lots and lots of not Mormons, but members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Correct. But Idaho. Yeah. I would more accurately depict that as, as like Utah junior. Okay. That's yeah, pretty fitting. Um, so tell us about some of the people that you met in Idaho. Um, man, great people. I'll tell you. Uh, and that's, that's something I was very grateful for to be called to Idaho is because the people were excellent. Um, if, if you ever think you want to serve like just like an exotic foreign mission and maybe not stateside, stateside definitely has its pros. And the fact that like every Sunday I was serving in like strong wards. Well, so I got a mix. So I served Spanish speaking as well. Right. Um, but I only served Spanish speaking for like the first half of my mission. And then the second half was English. And so I got a good mix of, okay, we're in Spanish branches and like people, you know, could use like a little bit more support, um, maybe a little bit hard to find callings for people. And then you switch over to English and you're like, oh, these, 
you know, ward councils, they have it pop in, <laughs> yeah. roll in, well-oiled machine, you know, they know what they're doing. And so uh, it can, it can vary, but overall people are just fantastic. And, and yeah, I loved it. As you were meeting with these people, I'm sure you, you ate in some households. What was, <laughs> what was the hardest thing for you to swallow? <laughs> uh, well, the hardest thing for me to swallow came from two, um, I guess, out of country backgrounds. I cannot at this moment remember exactly what the uh, delicacy was called, but it's Philippine. And this was, um, as well, I was Spanish speaking, but we had like a Philippine sister who would invite us over for lunch, like every Tuesday after a district meeting. And bless your heart. That's awesome. Uh, there's like an, an initiation of sorts, right? If you're new in the district and she would prepare for us, I think it's called Balut. Yes. Have you heard of that? My, okay. So my wife's, yeah, Filipina. Oh, so, okay. She yeah. knows all about but, it. But I've never had it. I, don't think I didn't she know, like, either. is it even legal to make in the United <laughs> States? <laughs> like, uh, let's leave that unanswered in this <laughs> podcast so we don't get anyone in trouble. All right, all right. <laughs> but just to clarify, Balut is fermented. Right. What kind of duck, egg is it? Duck is it egg. duck? Duck egg, but it's like... In like the third trimester, yeah, I don't so know how like, you measure it. It's like know, a little. It's I don't even know if you'd call it fermented. It's like fertilized. So there's like yeah, a duck, there's like a it's duck, like a duck fetus is basically what you're eating <laughs> yes, a duck fetus. Yes. Sorry, and so Sorry utterly, with an F. utterly repulsive. Yeah. Oh yeah, my wife Summer's just pulled up a photo of it there, and it just looks it. beautiful. It looks um, colorful. Uh, mine did not look that colorful so, actually. <laughs> she would make it. She would make that every. No, just for just, the new, just that just one for time. new people. If there's okay. new people in the district, that was, okay, your for initiation, that Tuesday for that, like post district meeting, that's what we were having and anyone could eat it if they wanted, but for sure the newbies were like peer pressured into it. <laughs> and so I was peer pressured into it and I gave in cause you know, I ain't no chump. And, uh, I do have to say the broth was pretty good. Like, cause you kind of crack the top delicately and you peel it away and like you drink the broth. I, your I, wife is like, I just think nacho libre. Cause if only there was like a, oh, a full yeah. grown baby eagle. That just pops <laughs> <out>. <laughs> and, uh, but no, the, it's mostly a texture thing. I don't even think I could process the actual taste of it. Cause it's the texture of like, like the little beak is like a mushy and crunchy. <laughs> just mm. not my jam. Also, I had a menudo one time um, and just not a fan. Yeah. Menudo is, uh, it's, uh, it's like, like it's a, intestine it's soup, dish, basically. Right? But yeah. I think it's like tripe if I, it's like stomach. Yeah. Yeah. Or stomach. I, I okay. Something like wrong. that. My grandpa loves it. He does? Oh yeah. Uh, nah, I was not a fan. And I, taste. it was just the one time. So I don't know if other people make it better or not. So I'm not going to straight up hate on it, but just the one experience I had was not not great. Any, no. uh, any emergency load of laundry afterwards or you were able to. No. And I have, I have heard in the podcasts of yours that I've listened to that that's a popular topic. I'm just saying, I don't want to discriminate foreign or stateside. Like that's, that's like, true, the, it's like ask the, everybody. the yeah. unspoken thing. It's like, if you go foreign, yeah, there's a 90, 7% chance that it happened. That's, you know, that's like, what this podcast where are you is all about. From? I don't know. <laughs> getting the truth out. It happened there. to me. I'm, I'm like in the 1% where it happened to me twice. So, oh, like, wow. you know, I, I, blessed. I, pump, I pump those numbers up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky. I got out unscathed. I've got a different question and it's kind of similar and you may or may not have an experience, but what was the weirdest smell you smelled on your mission? The weirdest smell? Well, one, one I don't know if I have a particularly like weirdest smell off the top of my head, but I did live in a town. Absolutely no. Like I only have love for the town of Jerome, Idaho. Um, I served there twice. Loved it. Loved the people. Um, smells are not always the greatest there though. So north of Jerome, Idaho, you have like a lot of brush area, like brushlands, which seem to like always be on fire. And then like kind of Southwest, you had a lot of dairy, like farms, like dairy farms, a lot of cows and manure and the scents that come along with that. And also you had uh, like, like dairy processing plants that were like pumping out cheese and whatnot. Jerome is also- 
a mixture. There's a mixture. And so it's also a very windy place. Like the wind is always blowing. <laughs> so you could tell which direction the wind was blowing by the smell you were getting that day. Oh. If it was smoky, oh, you know, blowing from the north. If it was <laughs> a little poopy, it was coming, you know, from the dairy farms, a little bit funky from the cheese factory, you know, coming somewhere else. So yeah, there's always unique, unique smells there. Uh, again, only love for Jerome. There you love go. It. Sounds like a wonderful place. Yeah. Smells stick with you. They do. At least I, I've got a story in my mind, but we'll yeah. we'll get to that later. Sorry if I ramble too much. No, no, uh, hopefully I can all. keep You're, this under like two hours or something. <laughs> You're doing fine. Um, tell us about kind of more of that that split. How long were you out on your mission when the church decided to split it into three different missions? Um, I know I was out for under a year when I actually heard the age change because I was with, uh, like I was in the actual city of Boise. Um, but when it split, I was out for like 14 months or something oh, like okay. that, something like that, maybe less. Cause I think I was out for just over a year when, uh, when it actually happened, but yeah. And then, so how does that work out? Is there like a, they called the new mission presidents and did everyone kind of stay in the area they were at or was there like a informal, like mission draft? Like, Hey, we yeah. Scott Cook, number one. <laughs> <laughs> it was first round, second round. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, it is, it was kind of like where you were. Right. And so there was one transfer call in particular, like, I don't know how you guys got your transfer calls, but, um, for us, it came on like our cell phones, the APs would just like send out a voicemail to each district and you would listen to it, you know, like wait and anxiety. You knew when the transfer calls were coming You'd wait for the, till the phone beeped. It was always after like planning time at like 9 PM or whatever. And, uh, tell you, okay, you know, elder so-and-so you're going here, elder so-and-so you're staying, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we knew that that was the transfer call of like where we would be when the split happened. So essentially that transfer call was announcing like where we would be for the rest what of our mission. mission. You would be going. Yeah. What mission we would be in. So it's kind of like getting another mission call almost. Yeah. It's exciting. And when the actual split happened, so it happened halfway through a transfer and so, you know, that's when like the mission president was going to be going home. His replacements flew in. So uh, three new mission presidents with their wives came in, you know, they like toured the mission and they met people and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they progressively called new assistants to the president. So, you know, they were helping with like the transfer and just one day it was okay. Like me, your new mission president. And now this is a new mission. You're no longer allowed to just, like go across yeah, the mission yeah boundary for wow. like zone days. So, you know? so you had, I'm, I'm assuming you had served in what is now not part of the mission you ended with the twin falls. Yeah. So I, at one point had served in each of those missions. So oh, like nice. the Nampa Boise twin falls. Oh, okay, cool. Um, and it's changed a little bit since then, like, cause I've gone back to visit and they keep me updated on like what the status of the missions are. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah. I was at one point I served in all of them. What, uh, this is just a side question. What temples were in your mission? Um, the Twin Falls and the Boise temples. Um, uh, there was not a Nampa temple, I don't believe, nor, I'm not sure if one has been announced or not. I kind of feel like one has been announced. I'm not sure. I feel like that's something I should know or remember, but <laughs> definitely for sure is Boise and Twin Falls temples. Um, that's interesting though. My mission divided when I was in the MTC and I found out um, that the mission divided because my plane ticket didn't say Rio de Janeiro. I was like, said Vitoria. And I was like, half of our district, like, oh, if mine says Rio, what did you say? Mine says Vitoria. Oh, okay. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Your mission split. I was like, okay. Say well, bye. I guess I'm not going to Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up the temple thing though. Cause I just want to throw something out there. Yeah. Just like a neat fact nothing like real notable, but I was, uh, serving in the like Boise Spanish area at the time of the Boise temple rededication. So I had been closed for years undergoing, you know, like remodeling and everything. Mm -hmm. And they were going through like the open house and the rededication while I was there. So we made a huge movement to like get these invitation cards out there to invite people, to take people through it. So for a few weeks, that was like all I was doing, just knocking on doors, leaving these flyers with like our, our cards with numbers on them, just saying like, Hey, uh, we're missionaries of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 
Have you ever wondered what that building is down there? Oh yeah, for sure. Isn't that like the Mormon temple? Like, yeah. Do you want to walk through it? <laughs> you're like, that's awesome. Yeah, for yeah, sure. That'd be awesome. So we say, okay, cool. Like, when can you do it? You know, we'll come, you know, we'll, we'll meet you there. And we were just always taking people through tours. And that was kind of like the, the, uh, the Mormon moment. I think that was kind of circulating through the news as the Mormon moment, because, uh, that was the, the height of like the Romney run for president. Right. Mm. So that's, that all happened while I was in Boise with the open house. Just like it was, it was like a huge spotlight and it was super fun and easy to do missionary work at that time. It was a blast. That's I awesome. can imagine that would definitely help. <laughs> yeah. I remember one time uh, down in South America, down in Brazil, we tried to do that with the chapel. And they were just like, oh, so it's just like a big room. <laughs> I was like, yeah, come see it. I was like, yeah, you're kind of right. But we talk about some really cool gospel stuff. They're like, oh, that's okay. I was like, all right. That was very successful. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I, I've got like this real broad question. But like, when you have kids, what stories are you going to tell them about your mission? I've got, I've got some good, good stories. Um, I don't know if you have anything planned for this before. Should I just lead off with one that, yeah, I that just, is good? I, I just want to hear your stories. I just want to hear my stories. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm we'll turning it over to you. It. Yeah. So this is always the first one that like pops in my mind. And if for some reason this missionary hears this, I sort of apologize, but not really, because it's just a great, great story and you should learn to like laugh about it, but I'll change the name just in case. Um, we'll call him, uh, elder, elder Sands. Um, and he, so he had narcolepsy. You guys know what narcolepsy is? <laughs> yes. That's I've seen a narcoleptic dog on YouTube and it's one of the funniest videos, but I imagine among humans, it's not that funny. So, but it can be, okay. I was a ward mission leader and one of our elders had narcolepsy <laughs> and he went up to go bear his testimony and fell asleep. <laughs> and the bishop was looking over him like, like, do I, are you going to go? And he's just like, <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're like, what the heck? Nobody knew either. <laughs> so like similar thing. Yeah. So if, if anyone doesn't know what narcolepsy is, I don't know if there's different kinds. I actually, you know, I don't really know that much about it, but basically it's like you can fall asleep uncontrollably and at like the drop of a hat. And for him, he would describe it as like, he can feel it come on almost as if he's about to faint. Like if you've ever fainted, you can kind of feel it come on. Mm -hmm. Jeez. And so he would get like a split second notice and sort of just like relax and then knock out. Oh my God. But he couldn't control it. Right. And he had an, an interesting, uh, dimension to it where he would also sleepwalk like vivid, active sleepwalking. So. I, I get to become this missionary's companion because he, he got to go on a mission because he had it relatively under control with medications and whatnot. But for some reason, I don't know why they kind of like lost their efficacy. Right. So they weren't really working for him anywhere anymore. I had just lost my companion. Um, cause he received his visa. He went to Puebla, Mexico. And so then, um, the mission president was like, Oh, elder cook, you're a responsible missionary. Can you like take care of this guy while <laughs> he's struggling with this stuff? And we try and figure it out with doctors said, sure, I'll be helpful. And as I, as I'm arriving to this missionary's house to go pick him up, he was asleep, right? <laughs> so he had, he had fallen asleep, but, uh, the missionaries were like trying to wake him up, like, oh, hey, like wake him up, you know, like you guys here to like pick you up and, you know, I'm sure you guys got things to do. I was like, well, probably not if he's just going to be falling asleep <laughs> on me. But anyways, this missionary like opens his eyes. He's kind of like sitting there staring at the missionary for a second. He's like, are you awake? Are you ready to go? And the missionary just full on slaps the dude. <laughs> And then like goes back to sleep. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> this is your companion. <laughs> this is my new companion. Hey man. But he was, he was having like that daydream that, moment. That right. So he wasn't actually awake. <laughs> it was like possessed. Subconscious yeah. sense, You're like right? if down, balancing that fine line. 
Yeah. Happens with that's little dangerous. kids all the time. Oh, yeah. that's rough. And so it was like he was in a dream and he didn't realize he was in a dream. It's just, it was like hard to describe. And who knows? The dude could have just been punking us the whole time. I have no <laughs> yeah. Idea. yeah, I got narcolepsy. It was like the most, most elaborate prank, <laughs> like just dedicated to it. Um, actually, no, probably not because we had some like really emotional moments with it. But um, anyways. How, how long did you serve with him? Uh, just like, just, just like a few weeks. Yeah. Just like a few weeks. Cause ultimately ended up that like he, it wasn't being resolved soon enough and we really weren't like getting anything done. And so they kind of were like, okay, well you need to like go home until you can figure this out. So, um, but I have, I have a few like good stories. I'll try and keep them short if you guys want to hear them. No, there's, we're not, <laughs> keep it going. We're not straight for time. time. So my first attempt, so, you know, we, I, I pick up my companion and we go home and it's, it was like late at night. So we just like went to bed and woke up the next day. Our first attempt to go out and do some work, we're, uh, we're driving and for all that morning he had been good so far. Right. But in the car, he knocked out and it was funny cause I was just talking, blah, 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 you know, sharing something and I'm not like getting any feedback from him. So I look over and he's just, you know, slumped over. It's like, Oh, Okay. So this, <laughs> this is how it's going to be. Um, and we pull up to the, uh, to the house and he's still asleep. So I'm like, well, I guess we'll just like, you know, chill here until he wakes up. Like, I'm not just going to go in by myself and leave him in the car. Yeah. After you saw him slap someone, you <laughs> yeah. I'm up. also, yeah, I'm also not trying to aggravate <laughs> You go to the door with a black eye. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we wait there a while. I'm just like reading my scriptures, hanging out. And then he kind of like, you know, ugh, like wakes up like, oh, hey, elder. You with us? He looks at me and then he just like opens the door. And so I figured like, oh, that's kind of brusque, you know, just the way he like suddenly got out of the car. I wonder if maybe he's embarrassed or something. He doesn't want to talk about it or he's, you know, so I'm like, oh, well, I guess we're going, you know? So I get out of the car and I start walking up to the house and I go to knock on the door and I notice he's not behind me. And I look behind me and he's like halfway down the street. <laughs> like, oh, snap. And so I, you know, kind of jog over to where he is. I'm like, oh, dude's got to be like, you know, doing his sleepwalk his thing, zone. right? He's in his zone. He's in the twilight zone. That's what we'll call <laughs> it, right? He's in the twilight zone right now. So I uh, kind of like tap his shoulder, look around. Yeah, I'm, I'm being delicate. Like you said, I'm not trying to get slapped. <laughs> and, you probably uh, couldn't reach your face though. Yeah. Uh, good point. You, you know, it'd, it'd be difficult. <laughs> <laughs> you just like hold his, head. <laughs> hold his head. Honestly, if I wanted to force him into submission, probably I could, but um Anyways, so he's walking, he's just walking. I'm like, hey, uh, the house is back there, you know, like, where are we going? And he says, like, I need to find my way home. I'm like, uh, okay, okay. Uh, well, home is, home is back there. You're going the wrong way. And he says, who are you? I'm like, I'm Elder Cook. I'm your companion. He says, oh, no, you know, and he brushes it off and he keeps walking. I'm just like, oh, what do I do? Like, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm your guide. I'm your dream guide. I was like, huh? You're saying this? Um, yeah, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, really? like, I'm trying to twist it. Like, okay, well, how do, how I do I do this? I get this guy to this home. <laughs> I'm your guide. And he says, oh, you are? I said, yes. <laughs> he says, well, well, how do I get home? I'm like, it's there. It's, it's, it's on the map. And I like hold up my book of Mormon, you know, like the back of it, it's on the map. And he's like, Oh, okay. I'm like, yeah, I can, I can read the map. It's back there. So we start walking and he starts like jumping randomly. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's looking up at this flock of geese going and he's like, usually I can fly, you know, why can't I fly? <laughs> and like, I'm, I'm walking in the middle of the street in the <laughs> yeah. suburb, this missionary is like jumping up and down. Like, and I'm not exaggerating any like, of this. There's a reason like, why you know, people think we're weird. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you're not helping the church. <laughs> I could just hear like some old lady on the porch, like listening, I'm your dream guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he just keeps saying randoms. Like I could go on forever, but eventually I get him back to the car I've convinced him that this is a car in which we can transform into a flying vehicle to get to his home, which wow. I don't know what it is. Maybe it was his real home. I don't know. And, um, I'm about to start the car and I was one of those missionaries that tried to be like super obedient. Right. And I don't know if you guys drove cars in your missions, yeah. but you're supposed to have someone back you up. Yep. I'm not about to let him drive. And I say, Oh, elder, uh, for the, uh, spirit car to get started, uh, you need to back it up. <laughs> 
So while sleepwalking, he backs me up, <laughs> gets back in the car. So I was like, yes, extra obedience. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Uh, and uh, anyways, he gets in the car. We just start driving and eventually he falls back asleep. And I'm just like, oh, falls back relief. asleep. He falls back asleep. So I'm like, oh, goodness. And, uh, and, you know, eventually, you know, we're driving, we're driving and he wakes back up and I'm like, Hey, you with us? <laughs> He's like, yeah. Uh, where are we going? I'm like, we're going home. <laughs> oh man. And I told him everything that happened and he was, you know, embarrassed and everything. But, uh, we came, we came to learn that, you know, that's, that's the way it was going to be. Um, Quick, quick one. Another time we were, we were teaching an investigator outside his house when he fell asleep. And so I was like, Oh, it's going to be, but it was really cold as winter. So I thought to like pack him up and put him into the members woodshed. We couldn't go inside because like the family didn't want us teaching the member or whatever. Wait, or no, sorry. Not a member. <laughs> Can investigator. You say <laughs> You're like, carry really him like a baby. <laughs> it's really cold. This investigator didn't, his family didn't like us teaching him. Inside. So we had to teach the investigator outside. Gotcha. Mm. Therefore, when the, when my companion passed out, taking him inside wasn't a good wasn't an option. option for like the investigator. I mean, maybe they could have been cool with it. If it's like, oh, is the missionary okay? But he was like, oh, we can't take him inside. I'm like, well, can we put him in like your little tool shed there? <laughs> and like, just try and keep him warm, right? He's like laying in the snow. <laughs> and so like, I pick him up and I go and I put him like, kind of like in the shed. And I like crack the door to hopefully like keep him warm a little bit. And he comes to, and he's just in a dark shed <laughs> with like saws, like oh, hanging oh, on like no. a stack of wood. No. <laughs> and he like, is just, and I, I can kind of see him from like through the slit. And I just see like fear in his eyes. <laughs> like, oh, there, we're out here. He's like, oh, oh okay. Jeez, man. Anyway, so those are, those are all my Elder Sands uh, stories. But uh, good times, good times. Hopefully that didn't take too long. You can edit some of that out if you oh, want. Oh, totally. But, that was great. Yeah. So adventure there. Yeah. Moral of the story, go on a mission. You're going to have adventures. Even if you get sent to Boise, Idaho, <laughs> That's you're awesome. going to have great experiences. So besides that missionary, who was someone that you met and became close with on your mission? Um, I mean, lots, lots of people. Uh, it's hard to, to nail it down. Like you get close to your investigators, you get close to members. Uh, you get close to your companions. Um, Is there one or two that like stick out prominently? I want to, I mean, the first one that comes to mind is my companion. He was one of my favorite companions and he's from Germany. Um, I know you have ties to Germany. The first podcast was in Germany and he actually lived, I think within the Berlin mission area. Um, He lived, oh no, I'm forgetting what the name is called. But it's like a smaller town, like a few hours south of Berlin, something like that. So did he, did he speak good English? He spoke, yeah, he spoke English very well. Um, and he, he grew up, he was born six months before the Berlin Wall fell. And so he grew up in an area that was, that like did not have a good attitude towards religion Right. And so through a series of events, he came to accept the gospel and be baptized. And I think he left on his mission pretty soon before the cut. Isn't it like 26 or something? Yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. serve or something. So he left, I think when he was like 25 or something. So he was significantly older than a lot of the other missionaries. But his testimony was just incredible. Everyone called him like mini Uchtdorf, right? Because <laughs> he was super powerful missionary. He had the German accent, but he spoke English very well. And, uh, I got to see him somewhat recently, maybe like a year ago, it was for a general conference. He came to do like a tour around like the mission and to visit people like in Utah and stuff like that. And, uh, so I was living in Utah at the time he was coming through and he reached out to me and I thought, man, I need to see this guy for sure. Cause he was one of my favorite companions. We just, we had a great time serving together and I had a really hard time soon, like immediately after my mission, getting in contact with him. I was wondering like, oh, you know, like I don't have a phone number for him and he's not responding through Facebook. He came to admit later that um, he honestly just had like a really hard time adapting home from his mission. Mm. And he felt a little like embarrassed to talk to people because he's like, oh, like I'm not like the missionary that I was, you know, I was like yeah. such a legend, you know, in the mission and 
like, I'm not that person anymore. So he, he said he felt like a little ashamed to talk to people. He didn't want to reach out, but eventually he kind of like got it together and he was able to like bring it back. And, um, maybe just like a little warning to, to people, when you go and serve your mission, you come back. I think they're a lot better about it now. They have sort of like programs for when you come home from your mission, right? From what I understand, I don't I really think, know that I, much about them. I don't uh, know. I need to follow up. They there wasn't anything when any of us came. Yeah, back. I, I know in in my stake, they like put them in very strategic callings. Mm. You know, so it's like you can kind of still have that like structure. You know, yeah. you wake Carry up that and, same spirit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> And that was, that was something I struggled with too. I feel like, I don't know if I've ever had real, like legit, legit depression in my life, but if any time was it, it was then like soon after I got home, which I was confused by. Cause I was like, oh, you know, like I just had this amazing spiritual experience. I should not be feeling this way. You know, I should be able to handle it. Mm-hmm. But I think it was just the lack of, like, you just don't have the same sense of purpose that you had during the mm-hmm. mission. You, you go from having someone with you all the time to like, being alone a lot, maybe, yeah. you know, depending on what your life is like, I was alone a lot. And so that was a real struggle learning to adapt and to, and to, I mean, people use the word adjust, which can be good or bad, but really like adjust, mm-hmm. you know, um, hopefully not lose the spirit or lose the habits, but it was a bit of a struggle. So just keep that in mind. Hopefully you stick with the programs, understand that, you know, when you leave on a mission, when you come back, if there's any missionaries right now, like return missionaries who are listening to this right now, struggling with that, like, it's okay. You know, those feelings are, can totally be normal. It's totally common. It's totally yeah. normal. Yeah. I remember sp- specifically Jordan, when you came home, man, we went out target shooting once and it seriously, you look like you were about to cry the whole time, but it was, <laughs> it was just cause you're in that funk, you know, it, yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. like, and I, I kind of went through the same thing. And for me, it was more being alone. Yeah. It was just like, I feel like I'm. I'm not supposed to, like, I would just go and like talk to the neighbor, you know, like, (laughs) Hey man, how's it going? Yeah. Can I just talk to you? Like, it was just, it was very, yeah. Kind of, you're so regimented for two years and then Mm -hmm. you come home and it's like, you have all this freedom and it's like, I could be good with this freedom or I could do bad with this freedom. Yeah. I always, um, I didn't mean to say you were about to cry though. No, I, 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 I might have been. I don't. I, there's I, no, there's no toxic masculinity here. We're all right. real men. We know no. we can show our emotions. I, I, you know, I always, can, I always talk about like if, for whoever we're interviewing, like if you had any advice to give to someone going on their mission, but like I guess as opposite for someone coming home from their mission, what what advice would you give to kind of overcome the post mission blues? Looking back now, um, my goals at the time were like months away. Right. So I got home in March, but I knew I wasn't starting school until August. So I had like a whole summer. I had like jobs I thought that were going to be available for me, but they really didn't work out. So like, I wasn't really working. I was just kind of like exercising and getting ready for basketball and stuff. So I feel like the best thing really was, would be to set immediate goals, like specific things of stuff to accomplish maybe you want to try and start a business right after your mission or, you know, be like these guys, start a podcast, (laughs) do whatever. Um, if you can get home, really one of the best things for me was like starting school. And, uh, because again, I was thrown into structure of like, Oh, now I'm playing back. Like I'm with a basketball team again. I'm living with other guys. I'm, you know, I'm doing school. I have a purpose. Like I'm dating girls. So start dating right away. Come up with specific things if you want to accomplish just, Yeah. And of course, I think it goes without saying, which is why I didn't immediately say at first, but stick with your scripture study, uh, ask for a calling if they don't give you one right away, Mm -hmm. you know, live that calling as best as you can. Um, yeah, there's, there's lots of good stuff you can do. Yeah. I, and I feel like for me, it's the same thing as missionary work. As as a missionary, you you finally find joy when you quit worrying about yourself and just serving others. Mm -hmm. And it's so weird because you come home and it's like, who do I serve now? And the whole world is like, you need to like kind of build a foundation for your family. So you've got to work on yourself. But for me, I found when I would go to my YSA ward that that was what made, what, that's what gave me some purpose and kind of helped me adjust to to home life. Get to meet other return missionaries and yeah, go to your YSA ward for sure and connect with people. Don't, don't stand off to the side and wait for other people to reach out to you. Totally. Um, so you got those two stories. What, what what was like the toughest, what was like a trial that you had on your mission or maybe a big worry that you had going into your mission? Um, 
I don't know if there's, I have a hard time thinking of like a specific trial. Generally, I'm kind of a go with the flow kind of guy. Like I, I'm kind of hard to shake. Um, well, but, I mean, you're seven foot. You're a big <laughs> dude. But I would say, I don't know. I went through a challenging time on my mission in which, so this was the, uh, uh, Elder Sands was like part of this time. Mm-hmm. It was during my time in the actual city of Boise when I got called there. And this was right after I finished being trained. So, you know, you do your 12 week program being trained and I was called to train. Um, and even though I was called to serve in Spanish, my first area wasn't really a Spanish speaking mission. It was like a zebra area. So it was a mix of both, but we taught maybe one Spanish speaking investigator a week. So my Spanish was really rough. I was then put into a Spanish speaking area to train and you got transferred and then you were training. I was transferred into a new area and training. So it was also whitewash. Whitewash. Yeah. In our mission, we called it shotgun, but I think that's pretty unique to our mission. But yeah, whitewashing. Two new missionaries going to an area. Yeah, two, yeah, exactly. So we were, I'll, I'll use the common term, whitewash. Whitewashing, training, trying to like learn the language more. <laughs> that is stressful. <laughs> and then after that first transfer, the mission president gave me another trainee. So I was training two missionaries. <laughs> oh my goodness. And well, he then, must have trusted you. And then the second trainee that I had. So then, you know, when he was close to being done being trained. So this was after like two or three transfers, I think. Um, the second trainee I received got his visa. He left. And then I got Elder Sands. Ah. And then when he went home, I got another missionary. We were good for a while. This is all in the same area. This is all in the same area, just back to back to back. Wow. He was good for a while. We were cruising. And then he suddenly says like, oh, Elder, I need, I need to like talk to the mission president. I think I need to go home. It's like, oh, what is it? And he says, oh, you know, like I messed up with like a girl here on the mission. It's like, dang, Elder. And so I was like, you know, whatever, dude, you know, we got to take care of, we got to take care of, we'll go talk to the mission president. So we go and talk to the mission president. He has an interview. He just says like, oh, the mission president wants to meet with me again. So, okay. And we do this like two or three times where he goes to like interview with the mission president. And then one of the times the mission president comes to talk to me and he says, uh, Elder Cook, can I talk to you for a second? I said, yeah, sure. And we close the door and he says, uh, Elder Alice's story is not like adding up. <laughs> <laughs> so he was like trying to confess to this stuff, but the, for some reason, you know, I didn't really get into the details, but for some reason the mission president was not buying it. <laughs> I was like, this is interesting. Usually you just send people home. And I think, I think it was just cause the mission president was trying to convince him to stay. Like maybe mm-hmm. he thought that was best for the missionary, but the missionary was like unusually like assertive about wanting to leave. And so the mission president is like, can you like talk to him and try and figure out like why he wants to leave? And it's like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And so later, you know, that night I'm talking to him and I'm like trying to like, just say like, you know, what is it? You know, why do you want to go home? He says, Elder, can I be real with you? I didn't tell the mission president about this because um, like, I don't want to get into trouble. And immediately I'm like, what are you going to get into trouble for more on a mission? <laughs> yeah. Like what are they breaking do? the mission. Like, <laughs> yeah. And he says, but I like, I need to go back home. I say, okay. And, uh, and he starts telling me this story about how he was, and obviously I'm not going to tell this elder's name, he was involved with like drugs back home, like drug cartels. Oh, yikes. And as far as he knew, he was okay, according to these people, to go serve a mission. Uh, he's from El Salvador, by the way, to go serve a mission. Uh, but I guess they had changed their mind and they wanted him to come home. And so he says, I need to go home. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> right? Like, it's not the kind of people you say no to. And so this is why he wants to go home. And so later, you know, I'm the mission president wanted me to figure it out. I didn't like immediately tell the mission president, but he had another meeting with him. And then the mission president calls me in. And before this, I was like, elder so-and-so, you need to like, you need to tell him, right? Like he's not going to get you in trouble or anything. Like whatever he's going to do is going to be for the best. And so, you know, they figure it out. You know, they get uh, this missionary's grandpa on speakerphone 
and they have the elder there to translate because this grandpa didn't like speak uh, English. And I was there in, in the room just to confirm that everything <laughs> was like being translated correctly. And, uh, and, you know, they told the whole story and I just have this vivid memory after like all of that went down and eventually the missionary did like go home. I just have this memory of me and the mission president chilling in like the sort of mission office kitchen. He's like, oh. he just looked so tired. He says, Elder Cook, you want a creamsicle? <laughs> I was like, uh, sure. And so mission presents are people too. He hands me the creamsicle and then we're just kind of like eating our creamsicles there for a second. <laughs> he's like, Gaddy Anton Robbers, man. It's still real even today. Yikes. I was like, man. And so we just, it was, it was like a tender moment between me and the mission president where I think he also felt a lot of appreciation for what I had been through <laughs> the last few transfers, you know, I, he, he had put a lot on me, but, um, moral of the story, have, have some respect for your mission presidents, right? You know, even sometimes you hear people like say like, oh, why is mission president doing this or that? Or like, I don't like his rules. You know, they're trying their best. Like you said, Jordan, they're people too, you know, and they they really appreciate what you're doing as missionaries and the sacrifice you're making. Like they, they understand. So, yeah. What was, was there, and I, I ask everyone this, was there like a theme that your mission president had that seemed to be, when you think of this mission president, you think immediately of like maybe this principle or. Like patient love. Uh, so this is Elder Cannon. So obviously I didn't explicitly say it, but I had two mission presidents. Um, President Cannon for me was just patient love. He had this sort of like goofy greeting he'd give to every missionary when he saw you just like, oh, Elder so-and-so, like, oh, it's great to see you. And he was tall himself. He was like 6'4". Did he have so a high, always, kind of a higher pitch voice? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Ah. And he uh, he was like 6'4", <laughs> though. My mission president had surgery on his throat, and so his voice was seriously like this. Like, <laughs> oh, really? It was, it, <laughs> people, he, he joked when he came home from his mission, went to their homecoming, and he, he joked that he'd call people, and they were like, is this a sister? Like, is this a girl? <laughs> uh, no, he had like surgery on his throat. But, no, he, he just, he he just had this sort of timbre. It was just kind of natural, but it was just something that you grew very fond of. Yeah. And every time he saw you, gave you just a huge hug, like this big guy, like I said, and, uh, everyone loved president Cannon. He just, you knew he had your best interests at heart. And my second mission president, president Curtis, uh, very similar in the fact that like you knew he loved you, but a little bit more intimidating, maybe, you know, he's a little bit more stern. Uh, he was a military guy. And so it was, it was like the obedience, you know, like we're going to do it and we're going to work hard. And I learned, it was really nice seeing two different mission presidents, especially because I got to become close to both of them because you got to see, even though they did things differently, they still got the work done and they were both inspired. And it helps a lot seeing like leaders at the church now, even though we may have different policies or things change, they're still doing an inspired work. It's just being done through a different person, right? And so, yeah, fantastic stuff. Yeah, and I think you've, you've got to use your personal talents, you know, you can't, and, and maybe you be yourself. Yeah. You gotta be yourself if you want to be mm -hmm. effective. Yeah. Did you, did you ever have, was it hard for you to be yourself on your mission or? Yeah, that's, I think. Or at least I feel like y you come out and you're like, oh, this other missionary is really successful. Maybe if I try what he does yeah. and act yeah. like him. I think I tried that for a while to emulate missionaries, which is, a good and a bad thing. It's good to learn from people. And if you see something good about someone and you want to try and pick it up or a good attribute, if it's something good, there's no reason why you can't try and develop that within yourself. Right. But at the same time, everyone does have their unique personalities and qualities and talents, just like you said. And so bring that to the table. Like you got called to a mission by like divine inspiration, whatever you have to bring to the table is what's going to be useful there. So be yourself. Totally. And um, I do wish I had been a little bit more relaxed sometimes as a missionary to be myself. I think it's important to be obedient and to follow the rules. Uh, so don't misconstrue that at all as like, you know, be disobedient. But like be yourself. Be, be human. Like you're not going to convince anyone by being a robot, you know, be yeah. It's hard natural. to connect to someone who's not a human. Uh, that's yeah. the thing too is they, you might not feel like you're emulating, but like people catch on real quick, you know, yeah. if you're not being yourself mm -hmm. and then it only strengthens yourself as a missionary 
when you finally make that switch, I'm just going to be me. I'm going to be real because then everything you say mm-hmm. is yours. You know, everything mm-hmm. you testify of it's is your sincere, testimony. Yeah. yeah, it's sincere. Was And you talked about those personal talents that you had that you brought to your mission. Did you feel like there was anyone that you were led to or like only Scott Cook could have taught? Maybe <laughs> that's not the truth, but that's how you felt. Um, specifically as far as people teaching, like, I don't know if there was anyone I would go be so bold as to say, like, oh, I was like, like just me, like just mm-hmm. my talents mm-hmm. maybe. And I just didn't realize, actually I'll change that most likely. And I just didn't realize it at the time. Like, I think it may be something hard to notice, but for sure. I think my unique like qualities and talents were especially helpful for missionaries in my mission. Um, I had, I had good, I mean, even just the experiences we've talked about so far with like the missionaries that I trained and then, you know, like helping Sounds like people you were just struggles. like a patriarch of the mission. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> maybe the, I don't the know. Big brother. I don't want to go. Th- I don't want to say that, but there were like a few missionaries. People definitely that, looked up to you. Uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> you probably hate that. <laughs> if I had a, a <laughs> I don't hate it, but I know it's coming. Yeah. Uh, but for sure, I mean, it's like I think definitely there were people, missionaries that I was called to to meet and to talk to for very specific reasons. You know. Um, I've got like two questions I always wrap up with unless, unless there's like something that it's burning inside you that you want to talk about. There's, there's a lot of stuff I want to share. Well, I mean, ask your questions first and maybe they'll fit into it. Just the one before, instead of coming home from your mission, what would you tell a missionary going out on a mission? What would you tell someone to prepare, how to prepare or what to do? I mean, the best, best way to prepare is to serve in your quorums, just like, you know, do those things, be all in. That's kind of a popular phrase yes. recently is be all in. Really do it. I mean, there's some, so I'm, I'm a priest quorum advisor right now. Yeah, me too. Oh, perfect. And <laughs> you're speaking my language. And so we're always talking about preparing for missions. Really like go, go bless, like volunteer to bless and prepare the sacrament. Go volunteer to, you know, do your ministering assignments, like be engaged, be all in. These are the opportunities. Like when, when your quorum advisors or whoever invites you to teach, you know, take it seriously and really prepare and think of like meaningful stuff you can share. Um, and also besides that, besides being like in with it and being active, uh, just get to know your scriptures, you know, develop a personal bond. Uh, the, the stronger testimony you have of the Book of Mormon, the more unshaken you will be uh, as you're out there. And there probably will be moments where you can be shaken. Like there were, there were definitely moments on my mission where I was shaken, even though I thought for sure before I left, like, Oh, nothing. It's interesting how that happens. But, you always uh, kind of come from that. Yeah. You know. It can be, you know, it can come from out of nowhere. It can blindside you. So come to really develop a relationship and a love for the scriptures. I can't remember what my other question was. <laughs> I, 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 I want to hear stories. That was that was good enough right there. Yeah, that's always usually my last question is if there's some kid out there who opens his mission call and reads Boise, Idaho and feels the same Falls. way. What would you say? Or Twin Falls. Or, or Twin, Twin Falls. Falls. Whatever yeah. the missions are these and days. And feels yeah. that same way like, oh, what the heck? Like all my friends are, are going to Brazil or, yeah. you know, I think you gave a lot of good examples of, of how – they could still be motivated, mm-hmm. you know? And I really like how not only you had talked about, or Jordan had asked if there was any specific golden, you know, investigator or whatever, but I really liked how you tied it back to the people you were serving with who are just as important yeah. as the people you are serving. You know, mm-hmm. you learn so much from your companions. You learn so much about yourself um, when you're put in situations like that, that I'm sure down the road, shape you into who you are today, you know? Yeah, absolutely. There's so many different things you can learn from going on a mission, not necessarily how to speak Spanish or, or talk to people. It's how to, to go through those hard times with somebody and, and, Mm -hmm. and rely on your heavenly father to, to help you through that. Do you guys mind if I share a a last little thing? Yeah. Again, I wish you guys ever (laughs) want me to come back later. I got so much stuff to share, but the last thing is, well, like maybe a year and a half, two years ago, I can't remember me and my wife had this wee opportunity to go, um, attend the ceiling of one of my investigators. 
And so she was, she is our age. So when I was a missionary, she was like, uh, recently graduated from high school and stuff. And she was one of those people who were really prepared by friends and family, Uh, not family. Sorry. Her family was very against her joining the church. She was very prepared by friends and it was a sweet experience teaching her. And like, she was just ready for it. She got baptized. Um, but it was one of those people I got to see progress through like every stage of conversion, like the milestones. So we got to take her to do baptisms for the dead. And even after my mission, when I uh, was playing basketball, I often got back to visit my mission because there was a team there that we often played the college of Southern Idaho. That's awesome. There are rivals. And so it was, that's a totally separate thing. We would often have like members I knew there and like my mission president. Oh, come that's awesome. it, was, it was pretty cool. <laughs> But she came to one of the games, and so it was cool to see her even, like, sticking with it even after I had left my mission. And it had been, like, a long time since we had talked to each other. Um, But she randomly reached out to me, like, a direct message through Twitter, because I think that's all she knew how to, like, contact me through. And she's like, hey, like, you know, I haven't seen you in forever, but I just want to let you know that, like, I'm getting sealed in the Ogden Temple. Or, sorry, no, Bountiful Temple. And I know you're in Salt Lake, so if you want to come you know, come. I'm like, there's no way I'm not coming. That's like awesome, man. That is so <laughs> I will cool. be there. And so, uh, I didn't really know like anyone else there. It was just a lot of like the grooms, like family again, cause her family like was not super cool with her joining the church. So she had a few of her friends from Idaho that had, you know, helped her on the past, but it was, mo- it was mostly, you know, the grooms, uh, people, but, uh, just what an incredible experience to sit there in the ceiling room and to watch, you know, this person where you've seen like where she's come from, where she's at and just like a really bright future. And now I see, you know, she's had like a couple kids. And, That's awesome, man. And it's just beautiful to see that. And if you're ever, if anyone's listening to this, who's like doubting whether they should, you know, uh, go on a mission or, or anything, it is far, far, far less likely that you'll regret going than you will not going, if that makes sense. Right. So you'll yeah. just you'll have fantastic opportunities. And also if this motivates anyone to reach out to like your investigators from when you were on a mission, you know, reach out to people, your old converts, whoever, uh, it can only, it can only help. But, uh, I love my mission. You know, it's fantastic. Changed me in the best ways is extremely meaningful. Awesome. Well, Scott, thanks for coming on tonight and summer. Thanks for tagging along and showing us the beautiful picture of Luke. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> that must've been crazy. Um, that's all we got for tonight. If you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to like us and subscribe. We are on Apple podcasts as well as Spotify. Yep. Leave us a nice review and, uh, we'll, we'll be posting soon. Yeah. And if any of you guys have any questions or stories or anything like that, just shoot us an email at, uh, podcast at hereby called.com. You have any questions or if we want to switch up the routine, if you have, want us to ask any additional questions, just let us know. All right, until then. Or Scott, do you say something? You just pick up. <laughs> no, no. All right. Awesome. Good well, night. <laughs>